0: The Trump presidency has resulted in no shortage of tensions between friends, colleagues, family members, even marriages. But few rifts have been as consequential and unexpected as the one that spilled into public view this week between Attorney General William Barr and Special Counsel Robert Mueller. Barr and Mueller go back decades. They were closely side by side during the presidency of George H.W. Bush when Barr headed the Justice Department, and Mueller was one of his top deputies as head of the criminal division. But the Russia investigation has changed all that. This week, it was learned that Mueller was so upset about the way Barr had characterized his Russia report in his March 24 letter to Congress, that three days later, he wrote the AG a letter protesting that his wordings, quote, "...did not fully capture the context, nature, and substance of this office's work and conclusions." After Mueller's complaint was leaked, Barr fired back when testifying before the Senate Judiciary Committee, calling Mueller's letter a bit snitty and complaining that the special counsel had failed to fulfill his responsibility to make a decision about whether the president should be charged with obstruction of justice, a decision that Barr then made for him. This is a spat that can only escalate further when Mueller, as expected, testifies before the House Judiciary Committee in a few weeks, giving him the opportunity to stick the shiv in his old boss. How much trouble is Barr in? Can he survive the cries by top Democrats that he has lied to Congress about his handling of the Mueller investigation and should be either held in contempt or impeached? We'll discuss with a top member of the House Judiciary Committee on this episode of Skullduggery. Because people have got to know whether or not their president's
1: a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. I told the American people I did not trade arms for hostage. My heart and my best intentions still tell me that's true. But the facts and the evidence tell me it is not.
0: I did not have sexual relations with that woman.
1: There will be no lies. We will honor the American people with the truth and nothing else.
0: I'm Michael Isikoff, Chief Investigative Correspondent for Yahoo News. And
2: I'm Dan Clyman, Editor-in-Chief of Yahoo News.
0: So, look, that was quite a performance by Barr before the Senate Judiciary Committee. I fully expected him to be a defiant and in-your-face to the Democrats, but I never expected him to turn on his old friend, Bob Mueller, the way he did.
2: Yeah, I can't... There's more of a backstory to this than I think we recognize and understand at this point um, because it is quite striking the extent to which he went after Mueller and undercut him in that testimony. I mean, he called the letter that he wrote Snitty. Yes, he says, must have been written by an underling, but even that's a slap at him, right. uh, that he would allow a letter like that to go That he would to put his name to a letter that some deputy, yeah, deputy it, wrote, yeah. It, exactly, and then, you know, the more kind of important point is that he went after him for not making the legal decision, the judgment as to whether Donald Trump had committed obstruction and uh, he's, you know, right. he, he's as baffled as as we've been all along about right. that decision, but I didn't expect to see him go after. Right. I
0: mean, the, the colloquy he had with Senator Grassley was, you know, did, what, Grassley asked him, was it his Mueller's responsibility to make a decision on that to make a recommendation. And Barr says yes. Effectively, he was saying that Mueller did not fulfill his responsibility as special counsel by making the call. He also, by the way, took a dig at Mueller for failing to identify the grand jury material when he sent him the report. He says he met with Mueller on March 5th. He told him, when you give me the report, please... Flag that which is grand jury, which I can't release. He says Mueller didn't do that. Also,
2: for not reading the four-page letter that
0: he sent up yeah, there, he said he offered Mueller the opportunity to read the letter before he sent it, and he said Mueller declined.
2: Now we, we now we should say that this is we, this
1: is bars this, this is Barr's account, yes.
2: and so that is why May 15th, which I think is the day that the uh, Judiciary Committee is targeting to get Mueller up there in in Mm -hmm. front of them, is gonna be such a dramatic day because we will hear Really, for the first time, Bob Mueller give his side of the story. Um, and he's a stone-faced guy. He's, he's a man of few words. But I cannot imagine that he's not going to give his own account of all of this. Right.
0: And beyond that, his own account of his investigation and what he makes of the president's conduct. He'll be asked lots of questions about that. How he answers that, I think, is going to be crucial to where this goes from here. I, now, I,
2: I want to just come back to one here, which is the the mm-hmm. disjuncture between what was in Mueller's letter, right, and Barr's account of their conversation the day after that letter arrived, and it, Barr says. Mueller didn't say anything about uh, the letter being inaccurate. He, he, he said he was, asked him,
0: was it he, accurate? He said, and Mueller said, you know, he didn't have any problem with the accuracy. He was just, he
2: just concerned uh, about the way that the media covered the
0: letter. Although uh, that I have a copy of the letter right here as we talk. And of course, the letter makes no reference to the press coverage. What it does say is that Barr's letter did not fully capture the context, nature and substance of this office's work. And then it adds, we communicated that concern to the department on the morning of March 25th. That's interesting right there. So this was not the first time there had been a complaint from Mueller's office. There was one two days earlier. This letter is dated March 27th. And then it goes on to say, there is now public confusion about critical aspects of the results of our investigation. This threatens to undermine a central purpose for which the department appointed the special counsel to assure full public confidence in the outcome of the investigation. Now, now there are
2: people around Barr uh, and perhaps Barr himself, although I don't know for sure, who think that what happened with the letter is that Mueller was really advocating uh, on behalf of people, members of his office, who were really The hard chargers. Off, the hard chargers, Andrew yeah. Weissman maybe, some of the mm-hmm. others who are really unhappy, really pissed at the way this thing is played out. And so he was going to bat for them, but this may not really represent his views. That's why the conversation that Barr and Muller had was different from what's in the letter. I don't know. It seems unlikely that uh, Mueller would have put uh, that kind of language in that letter under his name, creating an official record of how people in his office have reacted to this it just uh, seems a little weird
0: i've always thought the real story that we're going to want to hear is the debates within Mueller's office about what to do about the president's conduct but you know barr has a couple of other problems big ones including first and foremost his response to congressman charlie christ back on april 8th which is After this letter was written, Barr is testifying before the Appropriations Subcommittee in the House and gets asked about reports that Mueller's staff has been displeased with his March 24th letter. Let's listen to that clip.
1: Reports have emerged recently, uh, General, that members of the special counsel's team are frustrated at some level with the limited information included in your March 24th letter, uh, that it does not adequately or accurately, necessarily, portray the report's findings. Do you know what they're referencing with that? No, I don't.
0: Well, there you have it. Um, This is uh, some two weeks after he's already gotten the letter from Mueller, making clear that Mueller was not happy with the way that March 24 letter was written. Now, when
2: he's asked about it, he goes on to explain that. The question was about members of the special counsel's office, (laughs) to which uh, Sheldon Whitehouse, the senator from Rhode Island, uh, says that was masterful hair splitting, which I think maybe is what we ought to call this episode.
0: Masterful hair splitting. Speaker Pelosi had a different way of describing that answer.
1: How sad it is for us to see the top law enforcement officer in our country misrepresenting, withholding the truth from the Congress of the United States he lied to congress he lied to congress and anybody else did that it would be considered a crime uh nobody is above the law not the president of the united states and not the attorney general being the attorney general does not give you uh, a bath to go say whatever you want and it is the fact because you are the attorney general
2: speaker of the house effectively accused not effectively the (laughs) the attorney general of committing a crime
0: a federal crime right which only the justice department headed by the attorney general can prosecute so there was another moment in Barr's testimony that got a lot of attention and that was the grilling he got from senator kamala harris presidential candidate former attorney general of the state of california it was pretty interesting because it takes this story in a different direction and that is the degree to which the president has been meddling in law enforcement investigations. So let's listen to that. Attorney General Barr, has the president or anyone at the White House ever asked or suggested that you open an investigation of anyone?
2: Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. uh... Yes or no? Could you you repeat that question?
0: I will repeat it. Has the president or anyone at the White House ever asked or suggested that you open an investigation of anyone? Yes or no, please, sir.
2: Um, the president or anybody else?
0: Seems you'd remember something like that and be able to tell us.
2: Yeah, but I'm, I'm trying to grapple with the word suggest. I mean, there have been discussions of, of matters out there that uh, they have not asked me to open an investigation. but
0: Perhaps they've suggested?
2: I don't know. I wouldn't say suggest. Hinted? I don't know. Inferred?
0: You don't know. Okay.
2: So I got to say, when I was listening to this, the thought that occurred to me was the reason he was grappling with the word suggested was because they didn't suggest it. They directed him <laughs> yeah. to open up he an said investigation. He they didn't ask me. They didn't ask they him. Didn't they direct, they ordered, it. It. He right. ordered him to open up an investigation. That, that so what, is, what might that be about?
0: Well, you know, a pretty interesting clue came in the New York Times story this week about uh, Joe Biden, his son, Hunter Biden, who was a uh, principal in an hedge fund that was investing in the Ukraine, which was under investigation by a Ukrainian prosecutor. This is back in 2016. Biden goes to Kiev and demands that the prosecutor be fired for corruption reasons. He says it has nothing to do with his son's activity, but We know that Rudy Giuliani, the president's lawyer, has been talking this up, has been talking to the president about it. So one hypothesis here is that's what the president was talking to Barr about, and that's what Barr was trying to conceal in his non-answers to Senator Harris.
2: You know, I, I've talked to um, a bunch of Barr's friends over the last few days, and, you know, most of them, they're kind of hardcore presidential power types. They continue to defend him. They say, okay, well, he's doing some spinning. He can be a partisan guy. That's okay. But the question they have is, what does he do when the president orders him to do something that may be illegal or totally inappropriate? That is the, the moment of truth for him. And, uh, you know, they defend him. They think he, he'll do the right thing. But uh, we may be getting close to that. That may be an example of what we're talking about here.
0: Well, we'd certainly like to know more about that and a lot else. And we've got a very good guest to talk about where things stand with Barr and the House Judiciary Committee. So let's get to it. We are now joined by our favorite guest from the House Judiciary Committee, Congressman Jamie Raskin of Maryland. Um, Congressman, welcome back to Skullduggery.
1: Michael, thank you for having me. I must be the only one who has agreed to appear with you guys. Actually, no, (laughs) we've had a few, but um, uh,
0: you are our go-to guy when the heat is on, and it is right now in the wake of Attorney General Barr's testimony before the Senate Judiciary his refusal to show up before House Judiciary Committee, your committee. We have the speaker saying he lied to Congress. We have many of your colleagues saying he should resign. Where are you on this?
1: Obviously, I think the attorney general should resign, but it it, it always amuses me a little bit when our colleagues say that because it implies that there's some standard of uh, professionalism and ethics in the Trump cabinet that he's fallen below. And I just don't think that's the case. I mean, I think that they should all resign en masse, but I I suppose we could hold the attorney general to a slightly higher standard because traditionally that person has been the chief law enforcement officer of the country and has shown some respect for the rule of law. This guy basically resigned that office in fact, and is acting like a consigliere and a propagandist for the Trump administration. And it didn't make me clairvoyant in any way, but I've been saying from the very beginning that the entire rollout of the Mueller report as seen through William Barr was a propaganda ploy and a, a very clear PR exercise. But you've got, the, you've got the full report now. or You've got you know, 98% of it. You, you know we, 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 what got Mueller
0: to, wrote. Well, you know what his conclusions were. 24
1: days later, we got a redacted version of it after he did everything he could to spin the Mueller report in such a way as to create a mental impression in the public and cement it. And then to have that being there for three and a half weeks, while well, Mueller is protesting, sending him letters saying, what are you doing? This should be out. The public should be seeing this. I did all of the factual summaries that are necessary. We did all of the 6E redactions for the grand jury material. We did the redactions for competing investigations. I think that was the purpose of the totally fraudulent release of Barr's statement about what the categories of redaction were so he could throw in a new category about not hurting the feelings of third parties which was a completely concocted, invented notion so that that could somehow justify holding it for several weeks. The redactions had been done already by the special counsel in the case. In any event, of course, the redactions, in terms of public consumption are up to Congress, not up to the attorney general, if you follow any of the precedents with other special counsels and independent counsels in the past. So all of which is to say that the guy was involved in a heavily choreographed propaganda exercise until they finally released the redacted report on the eve of Easter and Passover, three and a half weeks later.
2: Well, the question is, what are you gonna do about all this? I mean, this, this episode, I think, shows that Congress is being tested you know you've talked about the congress being the preeminent um body in the government article one and yet you're being stiffed uh, by the administration left and right he's yes. not showing up for congressional hearings they're not they're stonewalling uh, subpoenas uh, they're asserting all sorts of privileges uh, for further uh, testimony from people like don mcgann the white house council who is yes. a key witness in all of this what
1: are you going to do about it so let me just emphasize the point that you just made denny we are, first of all, the preeminent branch of government. We are the lawmaking branch of government in Article 1. The presidency was designed for the president to, quote, take care that the laws are faithfully executed, not thwarted, not circumvented, not sabotaged, and definitely not violated by the president. And yet this president is constantly trampling the laws that have been adopted by the president. Congress. OK, that's unacceptable. We don't work for him. If anybody works for anybody, he works for us. He's supposed to be implementing and executing the laws that we have passed. He doesn't have the power to impeach the Congress. We've got the power to impeach him. OK, so I just it's important to have that constitutional understanding when we talk about this. What do you do with the president who is organizing a bad faith categorical defiance of congressional subpoenas and requests in the ways and means committee in the oversight committee in the judiciary committee in the financial services okay, Committee. so That's back the question that poses to danny's us. question
0: yeah. what are you going to do about
1: okay it? so so i'm setting the stage here so we have a president who is clearly acting with contempt for congress and the president and attorney general Barr and the various minions who are refusing our orders can be held in contempt of Congress. Now, that can take place through different mechanisms. The first thing that happens is the House Judiciary Committee votes to say this person is in contempt of our committee. We have to refer that to the floor of the House of Representatives where there will be debate and then there will be a vote on whether or not this person is indeed in contempt of Congress. Isn't
2: that toothless? Because ultimately, the Justice Well, we're not Department... done
1: yet. And it's not it's not toothless if you have any shame Would you like to be held in contempt of Congress? No, but Eric Holder was held in contempt in Congress. It didn't do much. Well, put it this way. I I would consider it in a democracy, if you have civic self-respect and respect for other people, you would consider it a major shame and stigma for the rest of your life. As I suppose President Clinton carries it as a shame and stigma that he was impeached by the House of Representatives, despite the fact that it was a totally tawdry partisan affair where he was basically impeached for low crimes and misdemeanors not high crimes and misdemeanors but low ones but in any event i'm sure it's not on his resume let's put it like that so that's number one i think there there are still some people who believe in political morality in america so that's number one you will have the repudiation of the representative body of the american people number two Then can we be a little
0: specific here? You say you can vote to hold him in contempt. You've heard his testimony from the Senate, his refusal to testify before the House. You know what he's done. Where exactly is the committee as we sit here today on this issue? Do you plan to vote next week on holding him in contempt? And if so, what day?
1: Well, I've not spoken to Chairman Nadler about the exact timing of it, but I know that there is a huge groundswell on the committee to move this as quickly as possible next week. So I would be startled if we didn't do it next week. So let me
2: ask this, because normally what happens is the committee will vote, then the full House will vote. If he's held in contempt by the House, then it would be up to or at least one option. It would be up to the Justice Department to actually prosecute.
1: Well, we have to enforce our contempt order. So there are different ways of enforcing it, right? One is we hold him in criminal contempt and we go to the department of justice to the u.s attorney for the district of columbia to say will you hold this guy in criminal contempt there's
2: a civil contempt. And this is the bar justice department <clears throat> so it seems unlikely
1: that seems like the toughest one the second is we go for civil contempt in civil contempt we go to a court and we ask the court to hold him in contempt there could be fines that accompany that how do you Um, enforce those fines the judge judge will enforce them yes i mean all of that comes from the court Mm -hmm. the problem there is that traditionally it's taken a pretty long time for that to happen although we we think we've got an argument for why this should be expedited by the court so
0: specifically what are you holding him in contempt for
1: they've not turned we, we they are now i think 48 hours late in turning over an unredacted version of the Mueller report we so have a it, constitutional rights to it's Just
0: open. that you want the full report. They haven't given it to you. They've offered you to let some members read it without the ability to share it publicly
1: or with their colleagues. Yeah, where does that doctrine come from? Right.
2: Well, also, but also, I mean, mm-hmm. the argument that the Justice Department gives for not turning it over is that there is 60 material. In that report, grand jury material, they're not authorized to publicly release it or release it to members of Congress. Now, wait a second. Information
0: about ongoing criminal investigations, which they never turn over. They never turn that over, I want to stick to the grand jury information, because
2: I think that's the most serious in some ways. Now, it is true that they also have not gone to the judge, to Judge Beryl Howell in the district court here, uh, to ask her to authorize the release of that information, but... The Congress can do that, right? Couldn't you make a request to Judge uh, Howell to release that, authorize the release of that 6E information? Okay,
1: the first thing to understand is that in every other case of an independent counsel or special counsel, the entire report has been turned over, and Congress has been the one that has done the redactions. That's number one. Number two, we've learned through a leaked memo uh, or the leaked letter from special counsel Mueller that he did the redactions and he told that to Barr. He said, all of the redactions have been completed both for the 6E grand jury material and for material that would complicate um, the concurrent prosecutions. Mm -hmm. So it's already
0: been done. Barr testified that's not the case. Okay. He said he asked Mueller to identify grand jury material when he met with him on March 5th. When he got the report, it hadn't
1: been done. That's what Barr OK, play. well, I, I put it this way. If you got to believe um, special counsel Mueller or you got to believe attorney general Barr, my money is on Mueller. OK, in any event, it's up to us to do it. It's not up to the attorney general. We are perfectly capable of doing it. We are the Congress of the United States. You see, and that's why there are big boxes over in the House Judiciary Committee in a safe. I've never, never even been in the safe, but a safe where all of the Watergate materials are held when the Watergate materials were turned over. And when Ken Starr turned over the materials in the Clinton impeachment, it was the day after or two days after the report was completed, they gave the entire report and Congress was the one that made the excisions for 6E grand jury material. And they turned over all the underlying materials. So he's also in contempt for not turning over the underlying materials. We want to see that the exact, stuff that bill barr said he didn't need to read it's not even clear that he read the whole report he didn't testify that he read the whole report and he certainly didn't read the underlying materials all the stuff that he said he didn't need to see and then he told donald trump according to donald trump's statements that he made on the Hannity show that he was called by the attorney general and he said oh yeah I decided on the spot you didn't commit obstruction of justice without without having read any of this stuff it's all that stuff that's what we want we want to read it because we're doing a serious investigation for the American people not a whitewash not a cover-up and that's clearly what attorney general Barr is engaged in Trump said that he wanted his Roy Coney found him
0: when has congress ever gotten information about ongoing justice department criminal investigations what's your precedent for that
1: well what do you mean all, all well, the time they, they, we, they, we get that it, we is get one of the no we get matters. information all the time about ongoing no, criminal. grand
0: jury material information that the justice department is using in ongoing criminal investigations that may lead to indictment they oh. cannot share that prior to the Publicly, indictment they've never done that it's before. been redacted
1: though I right. mean, at least according so you to Special want to be Counsel able Mueller, it's been
0: redacted. Knowing yeah. that you can't do anything with it
1: because you can't, of course.
0: You can't talk about it publicly. Yes. You can't.
1: Well, we're not interested in compromising existing prosecutions of other criminals. In That's the one of the categories at issue here. Well, but the redactions have been made by Special Counsel Mueller. I mean, this is much ado about nothing. Give us the report. Give us the underlying materials, unless there is stuff in there that about donald trump that they don't want us to know you know there's a line in the Mueller report saying we did not find sufficient evidence to uh indict the president for conspiracy or the members of the trump campaign for conspiracy with russian agents but there's a lot of other material in there that the president would not want getting out Because it goes to other conduct and other activities other personal or political concerns. Including possibly this was not part of the Mueller charge, but all of the money that came in through laundering schemes with the russians who bought condo units uh in the trump tower and all of the other money which uh members of the trump family have bragged about coming from russians to bankroll them after trump suffered four bankruptcies and they said oh well we'll just get all our money from the russians now they're talking about dirty money that was laundered here now that makes a lot more sense to me i don't think that vladimir putin and the GRU needed Eric Trump and Donald Trump Jr. to perpetrate their schemes against the DNC and the DCCC and the Clinton campaign. They could do it on their own. They were trying to use these people for other purposes. But it does make sense to me that Donald Trump, who wanted to build, you know, the the big uh, Moscow Tower project, and who's getting all this money from Russians, has a lot of stuff in there that he's trying to hide. That explains his very clear efforts to obstruct justice with the 10 different episodes that were recounted by Mueller. Congressman, isn't the root of a
2: lot of the problem here that Bob Mueller, the decision that he made not to decide whether, make a a legal judgment or conclusion that uh, Donald Trump committed a crime, committed obstruction of justice? Because if he had, on the one hand, if he'd said that he hadn't, well, then you would move on. You would do whatever you wanted to do. If he said he had committed a crime, then you would move on, presumably, to impeachment. And he didn't. So two weeks later, after this report's come out, how do you
1: feel about that decision? I think we're still dealing with- Non-decision. Non-decision. Well, we're still dealing with the thick fog of propaganda that was put into the air by Attorney General Barr's original four-page letter summarizing or not summarizing the Mueller report. Look, here's all that Mueller did. Mueller said the DOJ's got a policy of not prosecuting a sitting president. It wouldn't be fair for us to say he should be indicted, but we can't prosecute him because then how does he answer it? Now, I do think that's questionable because obviously Trump has it at his disposal to answer it. But I think that muller had an old-fashioned sense of prosecutorial ethics at least for white-collar defendants where they bend over backwards to make sure that people's yeah. rights are actually respected it, so he didn't yeah. do that so he said but i'm going to give you this road map and I'm, i want to turn it over to congress 10 different episodes of presidential obstruction or attempted obstruction. He called up the White House counsel multiple times and told him fire Mueller, fire the special counsel. Do you think it was
2: absolutely clear that what Mueller was doing, that what he intended to do here was turn this
1: over to Congress in your words? Yes, I think it's quite clear that's what he attempted to do. If you look at the end of the special counsel report, he talks about Congress's role. He explains why he rejects explicitly the logic of Attorney General Barr's 19 page single spaced memo that acted as a job application for him where he says the president can never be guilty of obstructing justice because he sits atop the law enforcement function and because these people are under him therefore he could dismiss this defendant or say prosecute that person or get rid of this evidence or that evidence I mean it's a really outrageous theory that was advanced by Barr and Mueller contradicts it and says nobody's above the law In the American system of justice, nobody and everybody can be held accountable for obstructing justice. The president himself can be held accountable for obstructing justice either after he leaves office in the indictment. And he says that at a number of different points or by Congress through an impeachment. But his role following the role of independent and special counsels in the past is not to form the legal conclusion for Congress to say this guy obstructed justice, but rather to package the factual findings as clearly as possible and say, here are the factual findings. You can hear from whoever you want to hear from. You guys pursue it. That's precisely the roadmap that Attorney General Barr tried to burn, tried to destroy with all of the obfuscation and propaganda that he's put out for the last six weeks. Did
0: Barr lie to Congress when he responded to Congressman Christ's questions about the reports that members of the special counsel staff were upset? about the wording of his March twenty-four letter. In
1: any common sense vernacular about lying, 99.99% of American people would say that's a lie. So you're you're, going to do a criminal referral on it? Well, I want to come to the legal question because this is the Bill Clinton question about what the meaning of is is, right? Yeah but in the sense that the american people use the word lying he obviously lied because what congressman christ and others asked him were do you know about how special counsel Mueller has responded to your rendition of his he report members ha- of his members staff. members of his staff, staff. Of staff. You, the question yes you know, and obviously the special counsel was exasperated and irate. There was a complete misrepresentation and distortion of what was in the report. It was all propaganda. It was saying, well, this is going to be dynamite stuff when the public gets a hold of it. So let's chop it up as much as possible, redact whatever we can, then let's delay it for a month before we give it to Congress. And in the meantime, we'll walk around saying no collusion, which is something that Mueller specifically disclaimed, saying we're not dealing with collusion. That's a... Popular concept. That's not a legal concept. We're dealing with conspiracy, and we found lots of contacts between Trump campaign people and Russians, and no obstruction. And he definitely didn't find no obstruction. On the contrary, he found substantial evidence of obstruction. He laid out all of these episodes of obstruction and then said, It's up to Congress to deal with it. So the AG says, I'm going to package this in such a way as to pull the wool over the eyes of the American people. Then when he's asked about how special counsel muller responded to what's being said by the staff and what was represented to him he said oh i i have no reason to think i mean i don't know the okay, exact words, so, but so. he denied the whole thing so did he lie yeah he lied of course he lied now could he be prosecuted for perjury? Well, certainly the Department of Justice is not going to accept our referral and prosecute the attorney general. So it's kind of the same position we're in with Trump. We would have to impeach the guy. Could we impeach him? Sure, we could impeach him over uh, a so, perjury. So,
0: you know, you have a big part of your caucus that wants to begin impeachment proceedings on the president. We haven't gotten to that yet. Yeah. But, I mean, are you going to have two impeachment proceedings? What is the roadmap for the judiciary committee? Can- well, that's why impeachment, Over the next
1: few weeks But that's why impeachment is a mixed question Of law and politics, okay right. The way the founders set it up is First there's a legal threshold Are there high crimes and misdemeanors akin to bribery and treason. I take these to be offenses against the character of constitutional government. But then there's a political question, which is it's not assigned to the courts. The courts should just be dealing with the legal question. That's all it is, but it's assigned to Congress. So we now have to take it into account along with everything else we're doing, right? We passed a gun safety legislation to close the internet loophole and the private gun show loophole. It's sitting on Mitch McConnell's desk. He's not doing anything with it. We're trying to passed legislation to end the illegal funneling of money to the Saudi war in Yemen. We're trying to end the Trump administration's work there. We've got to put it in the context of everything else we're doing. We want an infrastructure (laughs) plan for America. So, so, we,
0: We get all that. Do you want to begin impeachment proceedings against the attorney general and the president? And if so, do you plan to move towards that?
1: Well, I'm not announcing any impeachment proceedings, first of all, because we haven't made decisions about that now. And it doesn't help to for what me to say what for? my <laughs> intentions <laughs> what, are. What are at you this waiting for so,
0: Well, to make your decision? You've got a whole lot of information. You know, You've when, when Nancy Pelosi case, or Steny Hoyer says
1: something like yeah. it's not important enough. I mean, I think it sends the wrong signal or the the public misunderstands that. They think that lying to Congress is not that important. That's not the point I think anybody's making. The question is that I think Speaker Pelosi has rightfully been making and Hoyer made is we have to put in the context of everything else we're trying to do. And we even have to put Barr's transgressions in the context of our work on trying to nail down the truth about Trump's obstruction of justice, right? Trump said he was looking for a Roy Cohn who would basically act uh, as a a lineman, you know, throwing blocks and tackles for the president. If If he distracts us, from Donald Trump. So now we go after the lies, the perjury of the Attorney General. That might be precisely what they want us to be doing now. So we got to be smart about this. I've got a chess set in my office for a reason, okay? <laughs> what well, we have to think strategically about where we're going. We're trying to get to the bottom of the most corrupt and lawless administration of our lifetimes, and people who seem to have no qualms about telling lies in order to get but to where that, they want to go.
2: Congressman, is that an <clears throat> acceptable end game, which is to expose what you've called you know, all, all this corruption and lies, so that ultimately, 18 months from now, the American people can? Vote, make a decision based on all of that information, what you've exposed. Is that acceptable
1: to you? It it may or it may not be an acceptable end game, but we're not in the end game. We're right at, at the beginning of this process. Remember, the Republicans controlled the House of Representatives, and the Senate for the last two years. The Judiciary Committee and the Oversight Committee, which I serve on, did no investigations into any of the criminality and the lawlessness taking place in the Trump administration. We've just begun this process, and as you can see, they're throwing up every possible unlawful roadblock and obstruction to our ability to do our work. You
0: know, let me ask
1: you about the spectacle in the Judiciary
0: Committee. You had an opportunity to question Barr the guy you call the president's Roy Cohen. You could have grilled him. The committee insisted on having counsel do so. Barr refused to be... Questioned by counsel. You're a committee full of lawyers. Why did you need counsel to do your job? Okay,
1: why couldn't you do the questioning yourself? First of all Michael that was not the proposal that that staff counsel do the questioning all the Members of of the the questioning all the members of the committee were gonna do the questioning We were gonna add an extra half hour of questioning by staff counsel on the Democratic side and half counsel on the Republican side The logic of it was simply that as you saw over in the Senate Barr has been filibustering So he occupies the entire five minutes minutes with evasions and circumnavigation and distractions and so on yeah, but you and, could have easily
0: gotten so, around
1: that collins the ranking republican said they would have waived the five minute rule
0: your colleagues could have given you the t- ex- their time so you could have had extended well, questions he, here's the point you it's, could have done the job yourself i just don't understand why you insisted
1: on having your hired
0: lawyers do the questioning for you your committee full of lawyers
1: that was not the decision that we made and we are the article one branch of government the Committee Explain on the, the Judiciary... logic behind it, The though. Committee on the Judiciary decided upon a particular procedure. We could have decided everybody would have four minutes and 13 seconds. We could have decided everybody would have their own pitcher of water there. It's up to us. You see, it's not up to the Attorney General of the United States. We didn't dictate to him how to write his four-page propaganda PR release, misstating the content. That's think, up to him. He has to run his branch of government. We got to run our well, branch I, of government, I, I, and that's I, it.
2: We get that principle, but I think Mike's asking... What was the purpose of that? Why do it that way? Why not?
1: But we didn't think it would be controversial. It's precisely what the Republicans did in the Senate when Kavanaugh came in for his confirmation yeah, hearings. They, they yeah, that was a so,
0: witness for a fact-finding situation. Here you have a cabinet officer. This is a fact-finding situation, well, but too. The, but Look, my the point, point is, is it's not you're up a pretty to skilled questioner yourself. Any reason, you he would could
1: have, have done it. He would have found any reason not to come to face our committee again and to face deep interrogation about the lies and evasions and distortions that have been packed into his propaganda rollout of the Mueller report. And it goes on. But we don't, you know, I don't even care that much about Barr anymore. I want Mueller in here. And, you know, I want Don McGahn, the White House counsel who was ordered to fire the special counsel. president says you're not going to get him. He's going to invoke executive privilege, but that tells us everything we need to know, Michael, which is they don't want to cooperate in any way with us. They don't want the Congress of the United States to be able to do its job. They can't believe that we beat them by nine and a half million votes in the 2018 election. We took the house back. We're going to take the Senate back and we're going to take the white house back. We're going to take America back. This is a party which has set itself against the rule of law they are at war with the Constitution and the rule of law. So we're going to have to beat them at the polls in 2020. We are going to beat them at the polls. We are organizing across the country. But at the same time, we're going to do everything we can to vindicate the rule of law before they leave office. When do you
2: expect Mueller to testify? And what will be, uh, give us a couple of the top questions you'd want to ask. I
1: believe we've set aside May 15th for Mueller to come and be with us. And You know, we have a lot of questions, um, some details about these various episodes of presidential obstruction of justice when Trump did what he could to get Mueller fired, to interfere with the staff, to interfere with people's testimony, dangling pardons over people in order to get them to not testify truthfully. And so on. we want to ask him to go through some of the factual events, but we also uh, want him, you know, we we might want to press him on the on. The legal conclusions. I think there's a justification for his not having come out and saying this is constitutional obstruction of justice that Congress can act on. That's not something that special counsels have done in the past, but we'd at least like to try to get him to opine on it. And then we want him to talk about the Attorney General Barr's massive distortion of his findings and whether he thinks the Attorney General acted in accordance with the law. It seems to me his account of his conversation
0: with Barr After that letter is going to be key because, as you know, Barr said, you know, when he called Mueller, Mueller said he didn't believe anything was inaccurate in his. March 24 letter. He yes. just didn't
1: like the press coverage of the March Which 24 of letter. Of course, it wasn't
2: actually in the letter.
1: There was well, no reference I, I know, to the press no coverage. It seemed, I know, there was no reference. Nobody slices the baloney finer than Bill Barr, okay? It just, Senator it, Whitehouse called it, it
0: masterful hair splitting. That was, no, that was his explanation for how he responded to Chris' questions. But as a practical matter, isn't Mueller's testimony the ballgame here? After that, you have to decide, yes or no, are you going to move to Mueller's testimony going to help not. a lot.
1: We would like to hear from some of the witnesses, and the key thing is we want the American people to hear the witnesses talk about but the direct cases any of presidential obstruction. Mueller, will you? Well, then that increases the case like the Article 3 in the Nixon obstruction, right? If they say, we're going to deny to the American people's representatives, witnesses to talk about this. I don't know how they stopped Don McGahn from coming. He's He's a private
2: citizen. And hasn't he, I mean, hasn't the White House waived those privileges? If there were any
1: executive privilege, which there wasn't, it was waived when he testified for 30 hours in front of uh, the special counsel. So there's just no logic for that. They'll make up a, a lot of nonsense about, well, some super executive privilege or something. This is a democracy. We have no kings here. That's why we had a revolution, and the people are entitled to the honest testimony of all of the citizens of the country.
2: By the way, what did you speaking of there not being kings here? What did you think of uh, Barr's testimony that uh, if Trump thinks that the uh, investigation is unfair, he can shut
1: it down? Oh, I missed that one. But Barr said that. Yeah, I yeah. mean, he
2: effectively said. So he's it- saying,
1: right? Basically, that's back to the unitary executive saying the president is a king, and I've got the kingly powers delegated to me. Clearly, he's acting like the consigliere, so I can shut the investigation down whenever I want. Uh, l'état c'est moi. That's the whole thing. They are the state. They are the government, <laughs> and Congress needs to stand up as I think we're doing, to say you are not the government, you are not the state. The first three words of the Constitution are we the people, and the people's representatives are here in Congress, and your job is to take care that laws are faithfully executed. To the extent that you deviate from that path, you can be impeached, removed, kicked out of office, but we certainly don't have to respect anything you're saying.
0: And on that note, we thank you for joining us once again on Skullduggery, and uh, as this proceeds, we'll be back to you.
1: Thank you guys for having me.
2: Thanks to Jamie Raskin for joining us on this episode of Skullduggery. Don't forget to subscribe to Skullduggery on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And tell us what you think. Leave a review. The latest episode is also on Sirius XM on the weekend. Check it out on POTUS Channel 124 on Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, with replays on Sundays at 1 a.m. and 3 p.m. Be sure to follow us on social media at Pod. And now you can watch the podcast on YahooNews.com, YouTube, and Roku, Saturdays and Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Talk to you soon.